Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome back to part two of looking at the coronary arteries. And again, this is the RSNA presentation. And so let's take a look at this interesting case. 38-year-old female, history of depression, anxiety, and a family history of premature atherosclerotic disease. Patient was having several weeks of intermittent chest pain, including pain described as stabbing, which lasted up to 15 minutes, sometimes exacerbated by exertion, while other times at rest. Nuclear stress test was normal, and we did a CTA. Let's look at the images. Here's a couple axial images, and take a look at the coronary artery on this one. Really focus on the right coronary, and I'll show it to you again, both an axial and a MIPS lab image. Very interesting. Mm, what's going on here? Show it to you again with some vessel tracking. Okay. Let me show it to you again with 3D reconstructions with grayscale and color. Okay, look at the right coronary and look at what else you see. Okay, and here it is again, just four images put together. So now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. What's the best diagnosis in this case? The right coronary arising off the left main coronary artery, the left main coronary arising off the right cusp, the left main arising off the proximal right coronary or coronary artery fistula. Well, it must not be a fistula because I already showed you a fistula, and I'm not going to show you two of the same cases, so you can guess that. But let's look carefully. Look at that patient's right coronary artery. To the left or to the right, you see branching the right coronary, but what's coming across between the ascending aorta and the uh, right ventricular tract What's going on over there toward the pulmonary artery? It's a vessel coming across, and when you look at it, it branches into what looks like the LAD and the CIRC. And look at it in 3D. You see that everything is coming off the patient's right coronary artery. So you have a single cusp. You have a vessel which then bifurcates in two, giving off both the left and the right coronary artery. So this is an incredible case. Very, very unusual case. This is the left main coronary arising off the proximal right coronary artery. Just a wonderful case. And I described to you where the vessel was sitting. So I'm asking you what is the course of that vessel and the course is interarterial. So now a couple facts. The left main coronary artery arises in the sinus of Alsalva, right coronary or as a common trunk with the RCA in 0.1% of patients, and in 75% of these cases, the left main has an interarterial course, as was this example. So now the left main arising off the right coronary pathways. You can go between the aorta and the pulmonary artery at the level of the pulmonary valve, or right ventricular alpha tract, which is the interarterial course, which we saw here, and is the most common course. It can transverse the upper interventricular septum, or the transeptal course, it can course the anterior to the pulmonary artery or right ventricular alpha tract, which is a pre-pulmonic course, or between the aortic root and left atrium, think about that for a second, which is a retroaortic course. So this was interarterial. Good, good article by Sundaram, Radiology Clinics North America. Transeptal, pre-pulmonic, and retroaortic courses are considered benign or clinically insignificant, also referred to as non-malignant anomalies, while the interarterial course is considered significant, also referred to as a malignant anomaly, potentially lethal, and can lead to sudden death in, this young, in young patients. Well, that's a problem because this patient is indeed interarterial. So what was to be done? Well, 
surgery was considered, including a graft to the left coronary, but it was felt to be unlikely to be successful. Unroofing of the coronary arteries, of course, along the right ventricular tract could be helpful, but the, the risk was felt to outweigh the benefits. And therefore, everyone felt the best thing to do was a conservative approach with reevaluation of symptoms recurred. Very difficult management in a younger patient, but again, surgery is not always the answer, and this is a very difficult case. Okay, another case. 25-year-old with atypical chest pain, EKG abnormalities, cardiac CT done to rule out anomaly. Okay, a couple 3D views. Look very carefully. Where is the patient's left main coronary? Or another hint might be is what's coming off the patient's pulmonary artery? And you can see it on two more views here. And here it is some vessel tracking views there. Look at the uh, aortic root, but look where the vessel's coming. Look where the patient's left main coronary artery is coming from. And then if you look a little bit more carefully here, you'll also see the patient's right coronary artery is enlarged. So now I can ask you the question, what's the best diagnosis in this patient? Coronary artery aneurysm, well, I didn't show you any dilatation. A fistula, hmm, a thought. Anomalous origin of the left coronary or pulmonary hypertension. Well, when you look at the images, there's the left coronary. It should be coming off the left cusp, but it's not. It's coming off, as you can see here, or here, it's coming off the pulmonary artery. So it's the anomalous origin of the left coronary artery is the correct answer. So I'm gonna ask you a second question. What is the specific anomaly? Left, a LAD off the right cusp, circle of right cusp, LAD of pulmonary artery or LAD of the right cusp. And we've kind of answered that already in our description, which was the LAD coming off the pulmonary artery. Just a very nice example. And again, look at those images. It's a wonderful case. Very uncommon, but a great case. In these patients, often you have a prominent right coronary, which you can see in this patient, very nicely shown. Now this abnormal vessel goes by an eponym, Alcapa. Anomalous origin of the left coronary from the pulmonary artery. It can occur in adults or children. In children, it's said that 90% experience an infarct and die within the first year of life. And the reason for that, of course, is as the pulmonary artery pressure drops after birth, you have decreased flow from the LAD to the left ventricular myocardium. This leads to congestive failure, mitral insufficiency secondary to myocardial infarction, and patients die within weeks of birth in 90% of cases without intervention. So if it's not recognized, the patient's gonna die. To survive past infancy, so in the adult patient, you need to develop significant circulation from the right to left circulation. Flow to the left coronary artery territory often is insufficient and patients, as they get older, may develop ventricular arrhythmias, which are malignant arrhythmias, and can result in sudden death. So things you see on CTA. Left coronary arising from the left inferior lateral aspect of the main pulmonary artery. The right coronary in the left may appear dilated and tortuous, secondary finding. Dilated intercoronary collaterals may be present in adults because of collateral flow, which helps them survive. And LV hypertrophy or dilatation may also occur. Nice article in radiographics. Alcap is a rare anomaly. The diagnosis can be made by EKG-gated multi-detector CT or MR imaging. And so when you think about this, when we think about coronary artery anomalies, we think about anomalies of origin, of course, or termination. And this case is really an anomaly of origin. It begins in the wrong place. And there are a number of things I've listed here as anomalies of origin, from high takeoff, the single coronary, which was the last case, 
to origin of coronary from the opposite of non-coronary cusp. Very nice example. In this case, the patient underwent surgery. They reimplanted the left coronary to the left cusp and eliminated the origin of the pulmonary artery for the left coronary, and the patient did well. Very nice case. Okay, another case. Interesting case, patient with a typical chest pain, age 44, not related to exercise or stress, CT was done. Look at the patient's left anterior descending coronary artery. I'm going to show it to you six different times. There it is, and here it is on MIP imaging. Look where that LAD is going. Look at it again, and look at it on a 3D volume view. And you could really appreciate it here. So what's happening? What's the best diagnosis? Is it critical LAD stenosis, non-critical LAD stenosis, myocardial bridging, or spasm in the LAD? When you look at the images carefully, look how the LAD is going within the muscle of the left ventricle. You can see how the muscle is sitting on top of it. You lose part of it when you do that kind of volume rendering from the surface. And that's typical and classic for myocardial bridging. Definition. Epicardial segment of a coronary artery that courses through the myocardium is termed myocardial bridging. It's a congenital anomaly. It's a non-atherosclerotic uh, anomaly of the coronary arteries. And most of the time, people have felt that it's totally an incidental finding but other people are now having concern. So let me ask you a few questions before I go into this concern. Which vessel is most commonly involved? LAD, left main, circ, or right coronary? Think about the case you just saw, and of course you would answer LAD, which is the correct answer. Now, in terms of frequency, it depends if you're doing angio or you're doing CT and how carefully you look for it. But in terms of location, LAD mid-segment is the most common. And people are now thinking it can result in symptoms beginning the third decade of life. The question typically is how deep the bridge is and how long it is. I mentioned the middle segment. And again, we are now seeing with the deeper and longer involvement, people talking about infarction, angina, arrhythmias, or even death. And just very nice schematics shown here. Look at the middle image. You can see the length and depth of the myocardial bridging. Now, is it a frequent finding? Well, it's not uncommon. Article by Cantarsi, 22 cases out of 626, or 3.5%, with 15 of these located in the middle third of the LAD, as we said, five in the distal third, and two in the proximal third. In this article, um, the length of the tunnel vessel was between 6 and 22 millimeters, average 17, and depth mean of 2.5 millimeters. So again, you can see length and depth will vary. Article by Jill Jacobs, uh, similar points. She had a much higher frequency, 10.4%. Again, most in the mid-LAD. Length, 23.4 millimeters. Uh, depth, 2.6 millimeters. So again, a little bit different numbers, particularly in the frequency, but it's not uncommon. And if we go back to that patient's Dictation about anomalies, the slide I showed you before, this would best be described as an anomaly, of course. There have been several other articles written on the topic about the importance of this. Here's an article by Hazaroland that made the point that uh, CT is an effective, non-invasive way of diagnosis, diagnosing myocardial bridging. It shows the length and depth of the tunneled artery and the diameter and percentage of stenosis in the segment showing myocardial bridging in systole and diastole. Zena makes the point, 
And he's more concerned. He says the bridging predisposes the development of atherosclerosis in the segment proximal to the bridge. So the segment just before the bridge, because of the pressure gradient, can be problematic. This may indicate that myocardial bridging should be considered an anatomic risk factor in the evaluation of coronary artery disease. And that's not yet the case routinely, but it's something to think about it. So in our case here, classic example, bridge, meta-LAD, uh, Outcome-wise, the patient was spoken to, no critical findings were uh, felt to be present, and the patient was going to be followed by their cardiologist routinely. So, conservative management. Okay, one last case. What vessel is, well, let me check that back. I'm going to show you two quick cases, then one really good case. Okay, easy one. This is one you could just take your breath, catch your breath. Maybe I can catch my breath also. Vessel marked by the arrow. What vessel is it? You see it, it's coming off the right coronary. It also can come off the circ. This is the SA nodal branch. Okay, beautiful example. The SA nodal branch coming off the right coronary. And as I said, it can come off the circ. And here's just a very nice example. Both normal variants, probably 85% are off the uh, right coronary. Nice case, okay, nothing, no problem. Okay, now we got a 56-year-old male who was having chest pain and were doing a CT. Now, I'm not showing the coronaries here. I'm gonna ask you to look at the patient's left atrial appendage. What is that? Looks like a filling defect. Here it is again, and here it is again. But it's almost like a flat line. So I'm gonna ask you a question. Is this a pseudothrombus, an atrial thrombus, a myxoma, metastasis, what is it? Well, CT has been shown to be very good for detecting thrombi in the atrial appendage. But when you have them, they're circles, they're filling defects, they're classic thrombi, they're not flat line, and so this is pseudothrombus. Very nice example showing you a pseudothrombus in the left atrial appendage. It can look be a very difficult diagnosis to make, and let me just show you the difference between that pseudothrombus and a true thrombus. Okay, very nicely shown here. That's a real thrombus, ain't no pseudothrombus. And here it is again, lower portion with the patient's infarct in the kidney. There was a good article by her made the point that CT is very good for looking for atrial thrombi. And in stroke patients, maybe it's something to do, but he made the point in their study, they did two phases. They got a delayed phase 30 seconds later, and then they had a sensitivity of 100% and a specificity of 98%. Again, to get rid of those false positive calls. And again, these two phases get rid of the pseudothrombus. And here was their protocol after you did the regular CT scan, wait 30 seconds, and take a look at the patient's appendage again. I guess our rule would be is if you have the tech or you're self-monitoring the study, if you think it's a pseudothrombus, just simply get back a couple scans. You don't need to routinely do this in all cases. So just a very good point and a potential pitfall. Okay, last case, great case. This is not something you can see every day, so let me show it to you today. 41-year-old male, history of IV abuse, drug abuse, history of HIV, vague symptoms of chest pain, discomfort. Patient was evaluated as part of a uh, IRB-approved study. What's your diagnosis? When you look at the axial images, you see the left main coronary artery, and you see the LAD, or you see part of the LAD, but what's that vessel that's going in front of the left ventricle? Okay, what is that vessel? And let's look at it again. 
And again, look at it in 3D. What is that vessel? In this image, it almost looks like it's coming off the atrial appendage on the right, but it's just tracking near it, and you get a little partial averaging. And I'll show it to you again in two other images. Okay. What is that? And here's some choices. LAD arising from the right coronary, a dual left anterior descending coronary artery, duplicated right coronary, or a malignant cause of the LAD. And actually, when you think about this case, it's a great case because what you're really seeing, that vessel coming from the right, is really a second LAD. The patient has dual LAD coronary arteries. And in fact, there are four variations based on both the short course of the LAD and the long course of the LAD. The majority of cases had both vessels arising from the LAD, while occasionally the long course of the LAD arose from the right coronary, which is what happened here. So look at the images. I'll review them now with you with the arrow. Look how nicely you can see that. That's the LAD coming off the right coronary. And here's just a chart to show the different possibilities. And you could read this at your convenience. And the case we had here was a type 4 originating from the right coronary artery. A good article where that chart came from, Agrawal, it's important for CT interpreters to be aware of and recognize dual LAD because of the inability to visualize the additional vessel, especially when the long LAD originates from the right. The variant anatomic features could be misinterpreted as routine coronary angio for mid-LAD occlusion. So again, you know, it looks like the vessel stopping in the middle. Maybe it's occluded the LAD, but obviously it's that long vessel coming from the right that gives you the information. So those were about a dozen really good cases. I hope you enjoyed them. I hope we gave you some really good facts. And with that, like I said in RSNA, that's all, folks. Have a great day.